Welcome to Notes from the Electronic Cottage. I'm Jim Campbell. On a recent episode of the Electronic Cottage, we noted the increased number of people who wish to exercise their First Amendment rights to peaceably assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. Most of those wishing to demonstrate these days seem to focus on the death of George Floyd and other unarmed minority folks at the hands, or knees, of police. On that program, we listed some of the websites that made suggestions about how to demonstrate both safely and effectively, and as anonymously as possible in this age of digital surveillance. Of course, this is also a time when many people post their very personal thoughts and very personal information on social media sites. One of the suggestions that we pointed out was to be a bit understated in one's dress if one valued anonymity. We now have a very clear illustration of why that might be a wise fashion idea from a case at a demonstration in the streets of Philadelphia. There, as part of a peaceful demonstration that turned violent on the fringes, a woman allegedly threw a burning piece of wood into a parked police car, which then burst into flames. No one, of course, knew who the person, properly masked by the way, actually was. But within a couple of days, she was in police custody, looking at the possibility of decades in jail if convicted on a charge of arson. How the heck was she found? Well, she clearly did not follow the advice from that episode of The Electronic Cottage, nor had she apparently checked the websites referenced in that program. There were, unsurprisingly, lots of images taken at the protest. A local news station broadcast aerial images of the protest, at least one of which showed the woman. Other protesters were taking videos of various parts of the protest, and at least one showed a woman wearing gloves with a burning stick in her hand. The FBI checked images from the protest that were posted to Instagram and found an amateur photographer's photos there and got about 500 images from that amateur photo buff. In several, there she was, wearing a t-shirt that said, quote, keep the immigrants, deport the racists, end quote. And since it was a short-sleeved t-shirt, a tattoo on her forearm was clearly visible. So, you may say, there could be lots of people with that sort of t-shirt, right? Maybe. But let's follow the FBI's investigative chain as reported by the news site Motherboard. It tells us a lot about life on the internet these days. First step, search the web for places that sold the Keep the Immigrants, Deport the Racist t-shirt. That led authorities to Etsy, a website where people can sell their crafts and where the person who made those shirts sold them online. Then the FBI investigators looked through the comments section of the product site and found a post by a person who had apparently bought the shirt and appreciated the quick delivery. That person's Etsy username was Alley Cat Lore, and she said she lived in Philadelphia. So, as any of us would do, the FBI then searched the web for that username, which turned up a name for Lore, Elizabeth, on the fashion site Poshmark. Next, combine the name with the place and search for Lore, Elizabeth, Philadelphia. And voila, 
off to a LinkedIn page for a woman with that name and location who worked as a massage therapist. Not surprisingly, in a video demonstrating her skills at that line of work, she showed her bare forearm with, you guessed it, the same tattoo as in the photos from the demonstration. There was a phone number on the site, of course, so that those who might want a massage could call for an appointment. A fast reverse lookup of the phone number gave an address, and the address and name were matched to the state motor vehicle registry, and the photo that turned up on the driver's license was the same face in the photos from the demonstration. Let's pause at this point and reflect on a very important observation. Absolutely nothing that the FBI had done up to the moment of asking for the driver's license photo was anything that any of us could not have done for ourselves if we had a mind to. Every bit of that information was publicly available on the web, and much of it was actually posted by Ms. Lore herself on a variety of different sites. As a final step, the FBI did get a subpoena and obtained the purchase record from the person who sold the t-shirt, the address the package was delivered to, how it was paid for, and what color and size it was. That information most of us probably could not get, but that was simply icing on the legal cake to ensure that there could be an indictment for arson down the road. There seemed to be a few takeaways for us all to ponder from this story. If, as seems likely based on the image available for any of us to see online, this person did, in fact, burn a police car, that does not count as a part of a peaceful protest in almost anyone's book. But the wider and perhaps more important point is how simple it was to find this woman, not through surreptitious electronic surveillance, though plenty of that has been happening during recent demonstrations, but simply because she, like most people going about their electronic lives, probably didn't think much about the trail she was leaving, electronic footprints and electronic fingerprints that anyone with a modicum of web savvy and some time on their hands could have accessed as easily as the FBI did in this case within a few days. This might be worth thinking about for online purchasers, social media posters, blog or news site commentators, those who post resumes, and, generally speaking, those who may imagine that they are digitally invisible. Meanwhile, COVID-19 is still very much in the news, as well as the great hopes that many have for using electronic means to help with contact tracing of those who may have been in contact with someone who's been diagnosed with the virus. One of the key things that almost all medical experts agree on is that for an electronic solution using smartphones to be effective, at the very least, 60% of the population would have to use such an app when it becomes available. Back in April of 2020, a bit more than half of those polled said that they probably would not download and use a COVID tracing application. As of the middle of June 2020, that number had swelled to more than 70% of Americans, who would not use a COVID tracing app. Interestingly, the number one reason that those who would not use such an application gave was a lack of trust that their personal data would be safe. 
Perhaps listeners may have been wondering what these two recent news items have in common. Though in very different ways, both are centered on trust, or the lack thereof, of the protection of one's personal information in the digital realm. That is a topic worth discussing a bit more, and we will, right here on future editions of Notes from the Electronic Cottage.